Well, welcome, and thank you for joining us online. We are so glad that you are here. Uh, it has been a great three-week series. I hope you have turned in to the last couple weeks and listened to Pastor Zach talk about dangerous prayers, the dangerous prayer of search me and break me. And if you haven't heard those prayers, I would encourage you to go back and listen to those two sermons and to begin to pray those prayers. And so this week, as we wrap up this series, we come to this third prayer. And as we enter into our conversation about it today, I want to start by telling you a story about a watchmaker from the Netherlands who prayed this prayer. She grew up in a time of incredible racial hatred and genocide. She watched her grandfather and father pray for racial reconciliation. They took in orphans and refugees, and they showed this, the love of Jesus to some of the world's most marginalized people. However, their efforts were not quite enough. And in 1940, during the German Blitzkrieg, 48-year-old Corrie Ten Boom was called into action by her faith in Jesus. She was called to actually protect the Jews and hide them in her house. So she used her clock business to sneak in supplies to build a hiding place in her bedroom and through that, over the course of four years, she saved hundreds of Jewish lives by being obedient to the prayer, Jesus, send me. Here I am, send me. Now, unfortunately, Corey Timboom and her family were eventually arrested, taken to a concentration camp. Corey was a survivor, though, and her, she became an incredible speaker, and her story has inspired many of us in our faith walk with Jesus. However, maybe some of the most powerful words of this entire story weren't actually spoken by Corey, but by her sister just minutes before she was executed by the Germans. She said to Corey, we must tell them what we have learned here. We must tell them that there is no pit so deep that he, Jesus, is not deeper still. They will listen to us, Corey, because we have been here. Many of us have been listening for decades now. Corey prayed the dangerous prayer, send me. And the truth is, this prayer is really dangerous because it calls us out of our comfort zone. It calls us out of our safety. It calls us to step out in faith. And it requires that we trust God is who he says he is and that God is good. I think if we're honest, though, we hear stories like Corey's, and we think, that's really inspiring. That'd be great. I'm glad God's calling people to go and do those things. I just really hope he never calls me to go and do something like that. You know, I'm glad God has called me to pray for people like that. I'm glad God's called me to financially support people like that. But I'm glad he hasn't ever called me to actually go do that. Now, please don't misunderstand me. Your financial contributions and your prayers and my financial contributions and my prayers to missionaries all over the world are changing the world. The work we're doing as a result, the work that's being done as a result of our financial gifts and our prayers is beyond our expectations. But I just wonder, has there ever been a time when maybe we felt like God was calling us to more and we said, I'll pray, or we said, I'll give you some money instead of actually stepping out and doing what God had want us to do. You see, if we're going to pray the send me prayer, 
if we're going to pray, God, send me, we have to understand that the God we worship is not safe. And he will not always call us to safe things, but he is good. Let me say that again because I don't want you to miss it. Understand, we have to understand the God we worship is not safe. And he will not always call us to safe things, but he is always good. So whenever God calls us, we have a choice. We have a choice to say, send me, or a choice to say no. And I actually think we respond to this, this call of God in our lives in one of four ways. The first way we respond is like Jonah. God calls and he says, hey, Jonah, I need you to go tell these people in the city of Nineveh about me. And Jonah just says, no. You can see this in Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Not only did he just say no, he didn't stay put. He actually literally walked the opposite way that God had asked him to go. How many of us have said that? You know, the truth is, if you know the Jonah story, it doesn't work out so well for Jonah. He ends up eaten by a fish. Can't imagine how that smells. Ends up vomited on a beach. Again, can't be great. And then goes to Nineveh, tells them to repent. They do, and he sits bitterly at the end of his life. And I think we can point a finger at Jonah and be like, I would never do that. And yet I wonder how often we do. I can think about a time when my wife and I were going downtown to have dessert at a restaurant right downtown. We got dressed up nice. It was going to be a great date night. We went out to have dessert. I parked the car. And as I get out of the car and I walk around, a homeless person walks up to me. And they say, hey, do you have any money for food? Now, the restaurant I was going to was literally six feet in front of me. And I looked at them and I said, no. See, God, send me, but not on date night. I could have walked in and bought them a meal, fed them, and would have made no real dent in my budget. But I said no. I think oftentimes if we're honest with ourselves, maybe we say no more to God than we want to. The second way I think we respond is like Moses. Now, if you don't know the story of Moses, this is almost comical. God comes to Moses, says, hey, Moses, I need you to go to Pharaoh. I need you to tell him to let my people go, to let all the Israelite slaves out of Egypt, and I'm going to take you guys to the promised land. And Moses is like, uh, no, I don't think so. So we kind of see this story in Exodus chapter 3 and 4 if you want to look that up later, but it's great. I mean, listen to God's words. Now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. Lead my people out of Egypt. Moses protested. Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? So God answers that question. Tells Moses who he is. Moses' next response. But Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me, they'll ask, what's his name? Then what should I tell them? God tells Moses his name, goes through this long, long speech, but Moses protested again. What if they won't believe or listen to me? God says, I'll give you a sign. Drop your staff. It'll turn into a snake. He does, picks it up, turns back to a staff. And Moses then says, but then the text says, but Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. God reaffirms Moses, tells he is. And finally, at the end of the story, Moses gets honest. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. Right? That's really Moses' thing all along. 
And how many of us have said, you know, God, I know you're calling me to go do this. I know you want me to go and do this thing. But that person's more gifted. That person has more time. I've been doing this for 10 years. It's time for somebody else to step up and lead. It's real easy. And I get the fear. I mean, Pharaoh could have killed Moses. It's, there's no like, oh, well, that's such an easy task, Moses. Why wouldn't you go? But yet, God's calling. And when God calls, God gifts. And when God calls, God protects. What are we going to say when God calls us? God, send that guy? Send that lady? Or maybe this is probably my favorite response. Sure, God, I'll go. Here's my plan. And if you want a biblical example for this, I think it's Peter. If you look at the story of Peter and Jesus in Matthew chapter 16, beginning in verse 21, he says, From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests and the teachers of the law. He'd be killed, but on the third day he'd be raised from the dead. This is my favorite part. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Can you kind of picture this? Like I picture Peter, he like walks up to Jesus, Jesus tells him all this stuff. Peter puts his arm around Jesus. He's like, hey, can I talk to you in the corner? They kind of walk over to the corner. And Peter's like, I know you're the creator of the universe. You created everything we can see. You can hold it all in your hand. But listen, I have a better plan than you do. You don't need to die on the cross. I know if you go and die on the cross, your blood's going to be shed. It's going to pay for everybody's sins from all of history, from before to after. But I think I have a better plan. Have you ever done that? Have you ever looked at God and said, I think I have a better plan? I like to be in control. I like to be in control of things. This was reminded of me this week as we did our VBS kickoff event. And Caitlin says to me, hey, Jason, at kickoff, I need you to sit in a dunk tank. I'm like, uh, okay, that'll be great. It can't be that big a deal. I'm just sitting in a dunk tank. That was the most petrifying thing I've done in a long time. And it's just because I'm totally out of control. You have no clue when that first grader picks up that ball, if he's going to hit the little red target or not, and then if he's going to hit it hard enough to make it go in and make you fall in the water. So you're literally just sitting there like, oh my gosh, am I going in this time? Am I not going in this time? What's going to happen? And that's our plan. That's the way we like to live life, right? So many of us want control of every little detail. That's not the way God calls. God's bigger than we are. God's more wise than we are. God's more powerful than we are. And he's calling us to come and serve him. And so the fourth way that we can respond is the way Isaiah responded in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, Here I am. Send me. This might be one of the hardest things we can say. It might be one of the hardest prayers we're ever going to pray. God, I'm not sure what you're going to do or how you're going to do it. I don't even know exactly where you're going to send me. But here I am. Send me. I'm going to watch. I'm going to wait. I'm going to listen. And I'm going to trust that wherever you send me, you'll go with me. That's exactly what Corey Tinboom prayed. God, I'm just a watchmaker. 
I'm a woman in a time when women don't have much respect or dignity or aren't given much power in society. But God, if you want me to build a room to hide Jewish people to save them from Nazi Germany, that's exactly what I'll do. I don't know what it'll cost. I don't know what the outcome will be. But God, here I am. Send me. And so as you think about praying that prayer, as you think about, am I ready to pray the send me prayer? I think you need to know if you pray send me, it means two things. First, praying send me means you're going to realize you're not qualified for what you've been asked to do. Isaiah saw this very clearly in the verses right before verse 8. It says, then I said, it's all over. I'm doomed for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal and he'd taken from the altar and a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. If we're going to pray the prayer, send me, we have to admit we're not qualified. And we have to allow God to search our hearts and to cleanse us of the sin that he finds in there. So really, if you're going to pray, send me, you've got to pray, search me too. Every one of us is a sinner. Every one of us has stuff in our life that we're not proud of. We've all got junk. And Jesus came to heal us and take that junk away. We're prideful or we're envious. We lust. We're lazy. Pick your sin. None of us is free from it. But if we allow God to come and heal us, he will. And as he heals us, as he searches us, as he forgives us and takes that sin away, the guilt is lifted off of us and we're enabled to go and serve, to be sent by him. Craig Rochelle says this may be better than anybody I know. God calls imperfect, flawed, weak men and women, just like you and me. He simply wants people willing to be vessels and he invites them to use their lives to make a difference for him. And if you don't want to listen to Craig Rochelle's words, think about the truth of scripture. David was a murderer and adulterer. Noah was a drunk. Peter had an anger problem. Rahab was a prostitute. Gideon was scared. Samson was prideful and arrogant. And yet, if you look in the Bible, in Hebrews chapter 11, each and every one of these people is commended for their faith. They're commended because of the way they said, here I am, send me, when God called. It was by faith that they believed God could use them, and by faith they were forgiven. Some of us have been hiding in our sin way too long. We've been bearing the guilt for way too long. We've been beat down by it for way too long. And we can't even imagine what it would feel like to hear God say to us, as he said to Isaiah, your guilt is removed, your sins are forgiven. And yet that's exactly what Jesus came to die for. And if we're going to be sent by God, to be used by him, we have to pray, search me. And we have to allow him to come in and forgive us. And the second thing we have to do is we have to know the God that we're going to serve. You see, before we pray the prayer, send me, 
We have to know the God we're praying to. Again, Isaiah, in the beginning of chapter 6, gives us a clear picture of who this God is. I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their face, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. For sure, Isaiah had a unique experience, a unique encounter with God that you and I probably never will this side of heaven. However, we have the ability to know this God the way Isaiah knew this God. By reading the Bible, by studying and learning about who he is, by praying and talking to him. You see, we're not part of a religion. We're part of a relationship. The God we worship is a God who wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to be known by you. He wants you to know how good he is, how loving he is, how merciful he is, how forgiving he is. And he wants you to cry out to him at all times. You see, if we're going to be sent, we have to get over the fear that we might follow God and he might say, I want you to sell everything and go live for me. Or I want you to move to a remote village with no internet and no cell phones and no floor and no running water and no indoor plumbing. Maybe he will. But here's what I know about that God. If he calls you to do that, he will prepare you for that. He will enable you through the power of his spirit that lives inside of you to be ready to be sent in that way. He's not a God who's just going to do it out of the blue. He's going to prepare you, prepare your heart, because he wants what's best for you. He wants what's best for me. He's a God who loves us, a God who's going to walk with us and who will never leave us alone. So maybe he will call you to do all those things, but more than likely, he's going to call you to walk across the street and love your neighbor or love the person in the grocery store who you see or the waiter or waitress at the restaurant. So are you willing to pray that send me prayer? Are you willing to say, God, here I am, send me? If so, I have six challenges for you today. And I know some of you are thinking, oh my gosh, we've been here a while already. I'm going to go quick. First challenge I want you to pray, if you're ready to pray send me, I want you to pray this this week. God, disturb my life. Francis Drake, an English sea captain, used to pray this prayer every day. He prayed these words, Disturb us, Lord, when we are too well pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we've dreamed too little, when we arrive safely because we sailed too close to shore. Disturb us, Lord, when with the abundance of things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we've ceased to dream of eternity. Disturb us, Lord. What would you put in the blank? What have you allowed to make you comfortable so that God can't disturb you? And he ended his prayer with this. We ask you to push the horizon of our hopes and to push back the future in strength, courage, hope, and love. This we ask in the name of our captain, Jesus Christ. Amen. Will you pray disturb us this week? Make me uncomfortable. Break my routine.
Second, if you remember a couple of months ago, we laid out a five-year vision. And each one of those is going to require us to step up and go. Be sent by God to do something. So maybe your prayer this week is, God, send me to plant a church. Send me to go and be a part of the team that plants a church someplace else. God, make me uncomfortable. Get me out of my comfort zone. I'm willing to step away from the church I love, off of the pews that I love to sit in, out of the stained glass that I love, to go and help form another church so that more people can come to know you, more people can live in a growing relationship with you. Here I am, God. Send me. Maybe you need to send Maybe you need to pray the prayer. God, send me to have conversations about racial reconciliation. If you listened on Tuesday night, you heard Josh and Kim do an incredible job. And if you didn't, I'd encourage you to go to calvary.org forward slash conversations and listen to that, where they challenged us to get uncomfortable. Send me, God, to have conversations to stand up against my racist relatives or friends, to not allow them to continue to speak that way, to challenge the way they think. Send me, God, to help on the front lines, to walk alongside my brothers and sisters who look different than me, to fight systemic racism, and to fight for equality and justice for all. Maybe some of us need to say, send me, God, to go and help me raise my kids and my grandkids that they would know you, that they would treat each other equally, that they would love all people regardless of their skin color. The list goes on and on. But are we ready today to say, God, send me? Fourth, God, send me to join a small group. Maybe you've been sitting in isolation and solitude and nobody really knows what's going on in your life. And you need a community, a group of people who will walk alongside of you and say, we love you no matter what and we want to be there for you. Or maybe you've been sitting in that group for too long and you need to say, send me God to lead a new group. Uh, My life has been changed by this small group that I've been in and I want somebody else to have that opportunity to enjoy that community. God, send me. Five, God send me to a local school or to the life of a local teacher, school administrator, or principal. It's been a hard week for school teachers and administrators. There was a major announcement on Thursday that's shaping the way school is going to look different for the first time in history, decades. It's going to look different when kids go back to school. And trust me, nobody's 100% satisfied with what that's going to look like. Nobody thinks what's going back is going to be ideal. And we can all complain. But can we all go out, find a teacher, a principal, a school administrator, and say, how can we help? How can we make sure, how can we make the best of a hard situation? How can we love our kids? How can we make sure our kids get good education? Can I help you set up a classroom? Can I help you with your tech needs? Can I help you? Can I pray for you? Maybe God's asking us just to go and make an impact in our schools. Are we willing to say, here I am, send me? And lastly, maybe God's saying, or maybe you need to say to God, here I am, send me to love my neighbor. We're in the middle of a global pandemic that I don't think anybody thought was going to go this long. But it has. Lives have been changed. The way we do life has changed. We don't know if we'll ever be back to what normal used to be again. 
And in week one or week two or month one of this situation, it was easy to go check on our neighbor. It was easy to make sure they had what they needed. It was easy to run errands, but now it's inconvenient. Because the truth is, our lives have been so disrupted, it's hard to think about serving somebody else. But those neighbors still have needs. Those neighbors still need people to love on them and care for them. They need people to walk out and to share and to be the hands and feet of Jesus for them. And so are we willing to pray, God, send me. The God we worship is not a safe God, and he's not calling us to live lives of safety. Praying dangerous prayers requires us to step out in faith, trusting God is good, even if he's not safe. Praying send me means we're going to step out and do something we can't do in our own strength. Trusting God to show up and do more than we ever imagined. Who's ready to start today praying the dangerous prayer, send me, today? Then step out in faith and celebrate the amazing thing God is going to do in your life, in our community, in our church, and in our world. If you're willing to say that prayer, can I get an amen? Will you pray with me? God, it is scary. It's scary to pray, send me. Because we don't always know exactly where you're going to send us or what the outcome is going to be. God, we don't know if you're going to send us someplace we don't want to go. God, we don't know if you're going to send us to something that's harder than we can imagine. And so God, I pray that as we think about praying that prayer, God, that you would give us faith to trust that you will give us what we need, that you and your spirit that indwells us will empower us to do the things you've called us to do. God, I pray that we would trust that you are good and that you will go with us and you won't leave us alone. God, may we as individuals and may we as a church body be people who say, here I am, God, send me. We pray all this in Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.